Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Aguilana. I'm Carlton Washington. I'm Misha Cross. I'm Jennifer Nolan Jones. We are here where it's good to be back. You know, we have to take a quick break and uh, it's good to get the crew all back. And we have some new crew members and we have some uh, some some uh, some of the original. Carlton Washington hasn't been with us for a while. It's good to have him back. And man, there's it's good to have you back, man. A lot to talk about. We want to talk about Kobe, uh, the death of Kobe, the death of his daughter, the sudden and the tragic death and really what it means, uh, what his legacy means and particularly the reaction that the media showed. And I want to talk about the. What I, what I think is the demonization of black men and not allowing black men to live out their great legacy. And I want to talk about that because, you know, black men were, were challenged at birth, were challenged at death. Um, and we, we, we really want to talk about his legacy, the reaction that black men had. I think there, there's some discussion that needs to be had there about the image that black men have to put forward and the truth of actually being human. And then the other side of Kobe and the fact that, you know, within the era of Me Too, I think there had to be there had to be a mention of his past, uh, no matter what the facts were, no matter what was presented, uh, that was presented forward. And I don't want to get too much into this, but I do want to say that I, I think that frustrated a lot of people. It frustrated me. And I want to hear from you, all the panel and, and really talk to all of you. But before we get down that road, I really want to first talk about your reaction to the news. And I'll tell you my reaction because. I probably have a unique experience in terms of what was happening at that time. So uh, while I was, when I heard uh, about the death of Kobe Bryant, I was literally in the hospital uh, next to my sister on her deathbed. 10 minutes before her death, Kobe died. And so what those moments did to me together um, was really made me uh, really understand death in a way I hadn't. Two ways, one, obviously seeing a sibling die and going through that process up close and personal does something to you. And um, I've had death before, but it's different when it's your sister and someone you that's always been in your world has always been an anchor. So that was different for me uh, in a more distant way, but still a very real way. There was, there was Kobe Bryant and then seeing what happened there. Like I, I grew up in the era of Kobe Bryant. He died. He died suddenly. No one expected it. And he was this obviously greater than life figure that uh, transformed the game of basketball and, and accomplished all his goals. And so I grew up in that era seeing him and really seeing him as someone that you, you didn't think was going to die particularly that early. And, and so it really made me uh, see my death in a really different way and try to be more present uh, with my family, with those I love. And uh, that's the reaction that I initially had. And I, I love to take, you know, we can start with James and just work our way around. What was your initial reaction? Shock, shock. I mean, it's, it's shocking. Uh, anytime you see someone, you know, that young uh, and then for someone to go that tragically um, and then to learn shortly thereafter that his daughter was with him. I mean, it just really, it hits you hard. That second piece really hits you 10 times harder. Um, for whatever reason, you know, knowing that you know, her age or that he was, you know, doing fatherly things um, and, you know, taking his daughter somewhere just routine. You know, nobody gets up the morning they're going to die or most people the morning they're going to die, get up knowing that that's the, the morning they're going to go. And so, yes, I mean, I think present is a good word. You know, it kind of is a reminder to try to be more present, you know, with your loved ones um, to, to, to do things that you love with people that you love, you know, because that's that's really, you know, that that's the takeaway. And hopefully that can be the legacy more than anything else. Yeah. Amisha, what was your thought? I think I had a little bit of a different reaction. Obviously, the death was really sudden and um, him losing his daughter at the same time, I think, really drew a lot of emotion. Um, I was kind of shocked um, when it came to all of the people who were now we have to put life first. We have to really live for the moment. Um, as somebody who lost my mom at the same age Kobe was when he died um, and also lost my younger brother a few months later, um, who was the same age as Gianna, um, I, I felt like I already had an Think of how, you know, how you do life in that sense when you lose people who matter to you and are that close when you're when you're a young person, specifically a parent and a sibling. So I think my feelings towards uh, towards his daughters, the remaining daughters, were very strong. Um, Kobe as a whole, when it comes to him and, you know, the, the dichotomy of his character, um, I didn't necessarily have a problem 
talking about the holisticness of who Kobe was. That also includes some of the bad things. The issue that I took was more um, people who outright took some of the articles that were written years ago and called him a rapist. I thought that was a problem because at the end of the day, this man had never been tried in court. Um, His accuser had never actually spoken in a courtroom herself. The charges were dropped. Like it's a very, that's a very steep and slippery slope to jump on even in the era of Me Too. But it also reflected very strongly back to how we saw uh, Michael Jackson who had gone through court proceedings. And also, you know, after he passed away, we saw all of these allegations bubble up, even though um, he was fully exonerated of all of these things. And many of those, uh, many of those young people had dropped a lot of the charges as well and refused to come forward. So I think that this is something that our culture kind of enjoys doing in terms of chasing people down, even though they haven't been convicted of anything. But on that same token, um, I don't necessarily think that a story that has become a global news story in the case of of someone like Michael Jackson is something that we can expect people not to talk about after that person passes away. Yeah, no, I agree. And I want to talk more about that actually later. Um, Talk about more of the challenging of his legacy because I think that that deserves a really deep dive. Uh, Carlton, what did you think? Very quickly. Uh, I was in the mall with my kids, you know, uh, for my son's birthday. And uh, it was it was pretty interesting because I was with a bunch of strangers and everybody, if you looked around, just started looking at their phone and whispering. And then people just started coming up to each other like, do you see this? Do you see this? And so everybody was really in disbelief. Um, and then when that sunk in, it was just, uh, I, I think it kind of just really brought like a somber mood upon the day. Um, I know Amisha said that, you know, she didn't need a reminder, but I think for some of us, we need a constant reminder of, life short and you know and she had her and she had her parents die early that's i mean that, that right. one parent and a, and a sibling she already had that experience no right? no i understand that's what i'm saying but some of i think some people as a whole could we can always use the constant reminder Absolutely. of these things and so that i think that's the first thing that came to mind i think it's one of those incidents where people will remember where they were when they heard that and i think that you know it's it's having that impact on a lot of people um i saw a lot of apologies yeah. with, with people you know going back and forth outside of this which I thought was a good thing. Um, I was really hoping that no one would bring up these past allegations. And then as just as recent as yesterday, you have, you know, Gail King who did the unthinkable. And so uh, personally, I, I'm, I'm really, really upset about that. I disagree with you guys. Uh, I don't think there should be any mention of anything that has to do with that case ever again. Uh, and if anybody's going to be dragged through the mud, it should be that woman who falsely accused him and that's whose name should be trampled on forever, uh, not his legacy. And I'm really getting sick and tired of seeing this type of thing happen over and over, like you brought up. Um, you know, I mean, even as, even people like Martin Luther King to this day, we still have people coming out releasing these FBI tapes and trying to tarnish his image. And so I'm disgusted by it. And I think someone needs to really step up and start really throwing these things back at the people who are bringing these things up and women who are falsely accusing people. So we don't have these kind of incidents in the future because this man's legacy should be remembered as a really positive person who was great in many different ways. And that's all I want to ever hear about when I think about Kobe going forward. And, you know, so uh, I actually want to get into that. Unless someone has a different, uh, really different take on their reactions. I think we kind of got that. Let's just deep dive. Cause you know, Carlton took us there. Um, and, <laughs> and Carlton always does go right there. I appreciate Carlton going right well, there. Right. But what's the problem of having a, a legacy that is not all positive. Like I've never met a person in my life that is 100% positive. Now I think it's inappropriate right. to, to go there. Right. When somebody dies, like that's kind of like, you can let the dust settle. You can let people grieve like that to me is more of an issue. It's an issue of appropriateness and allowing people to grieve someone who many people that was their hero, things like that. But nobody, I don't think we want to teach kids that, right. that there's somebody who out there who never had anything bad happen or never was a sure. part of anything. That was but you're, I agree with that too, completely. But I, but I think I want to separate two things out. Because I think they need to be separated. One, that Kobe was not a perfect person, right? He, no, no matter what, cheated on his wife, had some issues there. Nobody, nobody's saying that's okay, but everybody's saying everyone's human, right? So nobody's perfect, and I agree with that. What I do want to talk about is the context of what happened, the allegations that, you know, I think has some challengeable they're, – they're, they're, they're really questionable in terms of their credibility, I think. One. Two – the, you know, the, the Me Too era is a real phenomenon. It is necessary, I think, by the way, because women are really uh, are, are really are really sexualized. They're harassed. They're, that, that's a, it's a real movement. It is necessary. But I want to say this too: black men are also 
targeted, traumatized. And when it comes to this area, particularly looking at white women and black men, we have a we have a long history of black men, particularly athletes, too, but black men in period being wrongly accused. We've talked about the Central Five, five black men that were that were basically sentenced to death in terms of the media for a rape they did not commit. People Emmett Till, man. Exactly. Emmett, Emmett exactly. Till. I was going to go there. Yes. Emmett Till. Man. Brian Banks, uh, the NFL player to come out. We, we, this, this is a story that happens over and over and over and over and over again. So while other people are looking at this instance to take, take a shot at Kobe, which I think, I don't think that, I don't think that, I don't think the allegations, in my opinion, are, are, are credible in this instance. But we should have a conversation about how black men are targeted too. Because I don't think that's talked about. What are your thoughts on that? I would love to have somebody else. I know me and James have been talking for a while. Tune day, you're silent. Jennifer, we'd love to hear your opinions on this. Because I think this is, this is what really kind of challenged me when I heard these, uh, these, these charges brought back up again. I think people, I think I disagree a little bit, you know, when you guys were talking about it, you know, that that these things should always be brought up. I think people are operating outside of their natural realm these days. I think people are bringing things up behind podcasts and screens like this, uh, behind television and radio, saying things and doing things that they wouldn't normally have done back in the day because there's consequence to it. And I feel like people are just operating now in today's society with no consequence. They hide behind attorneys, they hide behind all these things. Back in the day, you had to be accountable for the things you were saying and, and when you accuse somebody, bad things could happen to you. And now I feel like people are feeling like that can't happen. <laughs> you sound like a real like G unit thug apologist. Like, <laughs> the matter no, I, is none of us know what happened or what did not happen on the night in question. And again, he was never actually brought before trial or before jury at all. Um, somebody was paid off and then everything went away, which happens in a lot of sexual harassment and abuse cases. Again, we have no earthly idea what happened maybe the, her panties were put on trial with said, those 10 to 12 samples that were in there but know, we, all we know is that she was out here with a bunch of people and he might be one of those people like that's not saying that so by well, we know we know his really, wife we, we know that be, what we know we led should, to it we don't have anything about that but should we really be relitigating that right now i mean i think it's more about the reaction right now whether it's appropriate like he was never convicted, you know, and so he was never even, you know, went through trial and the woman, like, like we, we point out in court of law was never had to face her. He, he never got a chance, excuse me, to face Look, You guys, you guys, uh, Rob and James are lawyers. I'm in media. At the end of the day, part of that job is to investigate. And yes, when something has carried as much news and as much weight as his initial allegations did, it is not surprising that that would come up again after he passes away. I agree with you 100%, James. I think that it was totally insensitive for those journalists who jumped online uh, within a couple of hours of this man dying before it could yeah. even be confirmed who was actually on the flight to come out and share things that were not necessarily true. For people to come out and actually, again, call him a rapist because that you actually do not know. That yeah. is a problem. But for someone to reshare an article that had been well-sourced from 10, 15 years ago, this is public information. Amisha, I think I like my greatest and I think that it is, you know, problematic in terms of, you know, sense and tone and knowing your timing, but there's nothing wrong with you doing it inherently. Amisha, I think my greatest concern is coming from, uh, like you said, you're in media and then we have lawyers on here, uh, you know, coming from a, a small business person or someone who, you know, might be a, um, an influencer in the community. We're dealing with now that anybody can just say anything and bring these things up and allegations. And, and so the reason I'm very passionate about this is that something needs to be done or, or someone needs to take action to defend people who are being falsely accused. So this, these type of things are not going, going forward in the future. That's something that should also be a reminder to us of this legacy is that what are we doing to make sure this doesn't happen again? So that people who are, are, are good, uh, you know, fathers and, and people in the community who, who may make a mistake. But but you can but, be a good father and person in the community and still pass women around like they're hoes and sluts and do whatever you think right. doing and still have that dichotomy. There are a lot of men who are great members of the community who are faithful leaders who show up to church who are also guilty of some really heinous things. So I'm not. Well, I agree. No, no, I agree with you. Is, but I do think that we need to understand that the dichotomy of an individual isn't ruled by one thing that they're successful in. He no, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. I, I agree with you too. Hold, hold on, there, Gar. Quickly, go ahead. Go ahead, quickly. I, I agree with her. The one thing I do think I don't think there's anything wrong with the last thing you said. I mean, you can have women and all this stuff in the community, but if it's consensual, it's consensual. I just think that we just need to stop, 
you know, with with the false accusation piece and, and, and judging people before they've had an opportunity to defend themselves and before facts come out. That's just a really dangerous thing we're seeing across the board these days. And the only people who are being affected is men and then disproportionately is men that look like us. So and, and, and I do want to speak to, to that a little bit. Right. And and I want to hear Jennifer you have a different point of view, too. But it's the, the issue that worried me a little bit is. So if you take think about how all of this played out, uh, black men essentially always have to be we have to avoid being the angry black men. But at the same time, we have to always be strong, too. So we have to always play this this lie. We can't we can't really play like we're not human, like we're superhuman or something. Um, and then when you have issues of, of rape in particular, particularly with white women, there is a history here that I want the media to embrace, too, a little bit. Like we've talked about, I'm glad the media has embraced uh, the, the culture of, of harassment and violence that women have uh, go through, have been going through and continue to go through. And that is wrong. I also want I also want the media to take that same passion and understand that black men are targeted in ways that they shouldn't be, too particularly when it comes to sex. And the reason why the, the, the situation with Kobe hit me is because it's a typical situation that plays out. Yes, none of us absolutely know what happened, but we do know that she didn't want to, she didn't want to testify in trial, that there were some, there were some issues out there uh, that he wanted to get, he wanted to get rid of this. It made sense for, for the payoff to happen. Uh, but there were also, there, it wasn't like there were 20, 20 women that followed up to say, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. Like no one, no one can say, that 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 Kobe had a pattern of practice of doing this uh, because generally that's absolutely that's absolutely true. But I'm going to push back a little bit when you talk okay. distance to appear before trial because over eighty five percent of women who have been sexually abused or assaulted do not appear before trial because women are torn apart when they do it. Correct. Every little bit of their history. So if you you know you dated multiple people in high school, now all of a sudden this matters in this case. Like women are treated like they are the abuser when they go. Mm or a court and try to make the case for themselves. So I just putting that out there again, not her facts are legitimate, like whatever there, but I don't think that it can be stated or overstated that women typically do not appear even when all of the evidence That's is true. Of what they're saying. Absolutely true. I mean, I, I think my issue is that this, this other side that I'm discussing doesn't get mentioned either. And, and so I think everything you bring up is legitimate. I think, I think there needs to be a more thorough conversation, particularly with, black men who are particularly more are, 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 are wrongly accused and convicted. Usually there's, there's not, a, there's not an issue with convicting black men. It's like, so I think it's different with black men. Generally, if you're, if, if the charges are brought before you, you're usually done. <laughs> like it's not to say it's, it's a different equation for white men, for black men. If you're brought in front of trial, you have a much less chance of, of, of actually getting away with it one or even being found innocent. Uh, if, if you're not guilty, if that makes sense. Rob, one of the things that, that was said, and I'm quoting Snoop Dogg's video today, but he he came out with this video, which I, I thought Snoop was Snoop Dogg, all right. I got to hear a Snoop Dogg quote on this. Yeah, one. because he's the one that's really pushing this, this issue today with what we're talking about. And there's a lot of people saying the same thing is why can't we hold the line on these issues? Why is it that we still have to have this crab in the barrel? mentality, at least, you know, when it comes to African-Americans and these issues, why isn't there a, why isn't there a barrier when information comes out or legacies are threatened and reputations are threatened? Why isn't there a barrier of people who stand together to help defend these things when we know that they're wrong and we know it's an attack and we know it's, it's not uh, the equivalent of what's happening with other people. Why is it always a situation where these people have to fend for themselves by themselves all alone? every single time, whereas other people don't do that. I don't think that's right. And I think that's a big problem. And I think that's why, you know, Gail King is getting a lot of heat today, um, as she should, because it's always us doing these things against us and no one wants to, to stand up for anybody, you know? Hey, Jen, I agree with you. If it was Jen, a regular person, uh, 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 he had a lot of people standing up for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that point too. Powerful men have no shortage of people standing up for them. So, but that, that's my opinion. But it, Jennifer, what was your perspective on all this? Because we haven't we we we, have, we 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 haven't heard from you yet. We'd love to hear your. So you know, at the end of the day, my belief is you know everything is fueled by money, media, and I think with Gail King, when I initially saw the piece, I was pissed. I was so upset. Like same thing, Charles. You know, like Carlton. How can she do this? How can she say this? But then when you think about it, I think that it was all by design, right? Meaning that she's playing both sides of the field. 
And she was allowing Lisa Leslie to defend his character by asking those questions. I really don't think it was a direct attack. She wasn't trying to tarnish his legacy. I think she was using someone else to say what she really wants to say and how she felt. I, I do believe that that was her intention was to have someone else in the basketball world that has had, you know, a personal relationship with this man say, listen, the Kobe that I know has never disrespected women. We've been out in the club together. He's never asked me to go get a girl for him, but there are other players that has done that. So I just, I don't think that she was trying to tarnish his legacy at all. I mean, if you view it like that, then what she did was actually the service that Carlton was saying. Like she's setting, she's teeing up the the counter, you know, for which I'm not saying this is true or not, but that would be very, you know, helpful to Kobe to have someone tee up a question for someone to then lay out why he shouldn't be defined by that. If you want pushback, oftentimes it's it's good to to tee up somebody to give the pushback. I think that's more than likely true. Um, I like Jennifer's assertion there because I do think that there is something to be said about that. And also a lot of the commentary that Gail had on social media leading up to this interview and after his death, it, it just doesn't jive with the splicing together that NBC decided to use. So I do think that there is some issue to be taken and she's come out and spoken about this as well with the portion that they leaked and, you know, how that turned they out. Only, they, only, they, only did, they only did certain portions. They didn't do the whole interview, which was on purpose. They wanted to do the most, the one that got the most attention, the clickbait, which is what, no offense to you, uh, Misha, but that's what you guys do. That's what media does. I mean, that's what gets people following. That's what gets people hyped up about the show. We're talking about it. They what they did. I mean, All about design. It's about, yeah. you know, it's about viewership. It's about money at the end of the day, ratings. I mean, I don't, it's unfortunate that people are now insensitive. Um, because of it. Well, I mean, to, so I'm going to bring together what you're saying and what Carlton's saying, because the, 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 the ability for people to say whatever they want, however they want to say it in whatever manner they want to say it is because of the internet, right? We have a way where people can just go out, say how they feel without any factual basis, without anything. You could just say it, you could feel it. And there's a whole community of people that will tell you that you're right. No matter what, there are people that right now, absolutely 100% will say, Kobe is a rapist and they have, they believe it. they have absolute proof. It's true. And they will only, they will only see portions of, of, of the testimony that back up what they want to hear. It's, we know the, we know you can have a world that believes that. Then we can have a world that says Kobe never made any mistakes in the world. He was a angel that walked on water, right? If that's what you want to believe that exists in this world, because this is, this is the world we live in. And, you know, at disruption now, we try to make sure we disrupt these common narratives and constructs because, you know, we want to actually challenge the way people think. We're not, I'm not saying people to come to a, uh, a resolution to say you absolutely have to love Kobe. I just want people to question any narrative that's so absolute and that's thrown in front of them. That's really what I am trying to, uh, and what we're trying to articulate on this show. Because I think that's very, very, very important because media doesn't do that. You know, we just, they usually just go from one point and go to another, figure out how to get the clicks and then move away. But nothing, nothing really of substance takes place. The other part for me, I think, was the exaltation that we saw post Kobe's death of black fatherhood and what needs to be done there. Um, for the most part, Kobe, for the longest, you know, not just leading up to his daughter actually, you know, uh, having major basketball skills, he's been a great dad for a very long time and has not been afraid to share that with the world. I think that everybody just noticing a couple of weeks ago that he's an amazing dad was interesting, but also, at least from the friend perspective I have, I Notice that some men have kids. I had never seen pictures or these in life. So it's one of those things where it's like, um, did y'all just recognize that you need to be in your kids' lives because your hero now has passed away and now you're seeing that he actually cared about his? So I think that there's something to be talked about there well, as well. I would challenge that part. I, I would challenge that uh, part yeah. to say, yeah, go ahead, Carlton, challenge. I, you know, I was thinking about that. And, and I, I, you know, I'm 40 years old. I got three kids. Um, I know a lot of people. And I look around and sometimes I, I think to myself, I'm like, wow, I really think that that stereotype is just really unfounded these days. I mean, no matter what class uh, these people are in, I don't really see the huge absence um, that people always like to make seem exists. And, and so I know that may exist sometimes, but I also think the there's seven also, in 10 number is not made up. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not seeing it. 
you know, uh, with, the, with the exception of people who are kept from seeing their kids a lot of time and things of that nature. I'm not seeing the majority of dirtbag men not being involved in their kids like people would like you to believe sometimes. I'm not seeing that stereotype. I'm not, I'm not seeing it in the nice areas. I'm not seeing it in the less affluent areas. I'm not seeing it as much. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm also seeing Yeah, but you have to be careful, more. You can't uh, draw conclusions from your own personal observation. That's like anecdotal versus numbers. There are numbers out there that can tell you more than what you can observe with your own eyes. Now, I, the stereotype I, may be overblown, but you're, you saying I don't see it isn't persuasive or any is, reason I, to say I, that it is. But how are we quantifying these things? You know, I mean, there's so much well, but information. They, out but I can there. turn it That's back on you. I can turn it back on you. How are you but, quantifying what you see? You know, like it's it's so such a limited, you know, yeah. uh, uh, sample size. Which Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer. I mean, I agree. Um, you know, how, how do you quantify it? You know, if you, you based on what you see. I mean, if you if you live in, you know, a certain space, like how, what do you mean? Like what what are you looking at? If right. You, right. I, I would say like uh, the the challenge I would have with what Amisha said is that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's harder for black men to be vulnerable. And I'm not saying we don't have any responsibility for making sure we address that, but in a society that, you know, doesn't allow you to be, or, 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 or you think, okay, I'm being soft by doing all this. You're, that is something that, you know, is, is reinforced to us more than others. Uh, two, I would, I would definitely say that the stereotype is overblown because there's a lot of absent fathers of many different races across the board uh, there might be a little more with, with African-Americans for for institutional reasons, too. But it's not because black men are worse fathers than anybody else. And I think that's the narrative yeah, I think that's, that we have to challenge. That's what I was trying to say. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would push back on it all the time because the problem in society that I see, the biggest problem I see is that people are so willing all the time to believe the worst about black men. Or right. black folks in general, like you can, t- you, you said earlier, if you're if you're accused of something, even if you're innocent, jury will find you guilty anyway, because it's not hard for them to believe that. You and the numbers, wrong. and the numbers back that up too. Correct, correct. So, and, and it's actually the opposite. When you look at other races, people are. It's so difficult for them to believe the worst about somebody, whereas it's so easy for people to believe, including black folks, to believe yeah. the worst about black. So, I think that's why the stereotype may be overblown. But yeah. I wouldn't argue that it doesn't exist because the numbers. In terms of an underlying basis, the numbers indicate that there is an issue there. But sh- sure, it's an overblown in people's minds because you say anything bad about a black person, people are willing to believe. It. Yeah, and I and I agree with what you're saying, Jimmy. And so my whole thing is when I hear these things, I, I, I'm trying not to carry on that narrative as much as possible. Yeah. And, and and honestly, look, you know what? People have been creating up false facts and false history forever. So who am I to not create? that same false history and false facts and promotion of it's our e- legacy and people. You know it's I mean? easy to do. Like, it's easy to do. That's, but that's what I'm Repeat saying. Repeat like, it so, a lot. Repeat it so, a lot. Exactly. So why are we not, that's the thing. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not sticking up for people? No matter what, like, like, you know, if you want to bring Donald Trump into this, Oh, people don't have any problems sticking up for Donald Trump all day with his 16 or whatever accusing women. And what I'm saying is, so well, that's called that's called that's called brainwashing and worship. But I don't know we try to worship anybody. But go ahead. <laughs> no, but, 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 my, my, but my point is, why not take on that same you know action as far as defending our narrative, defending people when these things are coming up, whether it's true or not, and we'll figure that stuff out behind the scenes. But I don't I don't like to see it well, constantly promoted. Well, over what and I, over. Want, and I don't. Yeah. And uh, let me just finish. And I don't well, like to ahead. see even a stranger like Kobe Bryant, who I don't know, you know, I still don't even like to see a guy like that name run through the mud. And so all I'm saying is that there needs to be a hard line out here held to protect the legacy of, of these men, of great men uh, that are African-Americans and women, yeah. go, and women going forward. And we'll figure out the stuff behind the scenes. But, you know, people have been lying for, about history and facts for years. So why not just turn it into a positive one? You want to say something, Jennifer? It looked like you were edging to say something. If not, no, look, um, uh, so I think... I think what we got to do is just make sure that the narrative is accurate and make sure. So I, I, I don't know if I say that we need to uh, defend people like I'm not defending Bill Cosby. I, I think he probably did it. Right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to have that conversation about him. But like if you're talking about actually looking at uh, making sure we, we have a full narrative and that all of the uh, facts are put out there and that it's not just not not the worst examples of black men are put forward and never the best examples, which are plenty. That's what I want to challenge because that, because I believe, I believe the worst examples are, are just put on display 
day in and day out as the narrative and as a story. Today, you have anything to say? We got Amisha's entering her last 10 minutes, so we want to make sure we get the, the, the uh, all this stuff in. What do you got to say, man? You've been you've been really that's, silent, Professor. That's this is not like Tunday, I know, right? <laughs> and, and his mic doesn't work. That's like Tunday. Unmute. <laughs> no, look, I, I, I um, you know what I really want to focus on, and and let people know. Look, black men bleed too. Black men are vulnerable. Um, I was I, I was um talking to my dad, and and still have been, you know, through the through the death of my sister. And you know, the first thing I let him know is that it's it's okay to be vulnerable. You know, I, I haven't. I'm one of those people that I don't. I can't recall when I've seen my father cry. I can count them on my hands, and that's something that you know I think. As a man, as a black man, that's something you're supposed to do. But honestly, like being vulnerable, crying, that's something we have to be open to because uh, if we're not allowed to be vulnerable, we, we can't really grow and we can't share our feelings. And then it eats us up on the inside. I, I believe where we need more support from our from 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 black women in particular is the ability to do that and to know that it's OK to do that. Um, because it's it's hard to always feel like you have to be the one that is strong and never have the ability to be vulnerable, if that makes sense. And I think Kobe's death, uh, like I said, Amisha, you, you've been through such a hard, transformative experience early in life. Most don't have to do that. I haven't had to lose either of my parents. I'm blessed for that. And it's the first time losing a sibling. So I understand why you have such a clear perspective. But most people didn't. And, you know, they saw, you know, Kobe Bryant's death was something that they could point to that they didn't expect. And it made them realize some things. So. I would say like, is that, um, black men also have to be there for other black men because it's true. It's easy to push everything on black women and say black women should support black women have been supporting y'all through everything, but true. True. Need to, start supporting other black men because a lot of the time it is the and i see this even in young kids if somebody is emotional it's a little black boy who's also making fun of him if a grown man is losing has just lost some someone important to him or is going through a job transition or whatever it happens to be finding that source of support in other black men when you're going emotional situations can be extremely difficult because that because of that air of you have to be macho you have yeah. to have this ultra masculinity about you, which totally evades you having any personal feelings. I don't think women have have a, as much of a problem in accepting that in men as men do with other men. So there's a lot of putting on, for lack of a better term, even when you're going through a personal hell because of the way that you think it's going to translate to the brothers. Right. Jennifer, do you agree with that perspective? What, what's your thought on that? Do you have a different take? I do agree. But, you know, I'm always, my thought process is always rolling when I'm listening to um, everybody's perspective. So, when you say that um, black men need more support from black women, right? My, what, let me state it more clearly. We need the ability to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, bro, you better clean that one up, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of our black men don't want black women is what I'm saying. So that, that, that you know, it just, it just it, there's just so many different moving parts. Including Kobe. <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah so you know my thought process is going to be completely different you know when it comes to to that there's so many moving parts you know with our you know black men not supporting each other and then you know with our black men our black women that have issues with our black men that are with non-black women right um, so, you know, I want to say the majority of black men that are married are still married to black women. It's about it's about 75, 80 percent. But just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to just defend us a little bit. But, no, no, no. but, hey, hey, but, but, you know, hey, I just it just it just makes it difficult for me sometimes to. Well, I want you to be honest, like this is a good this is a good discussion. We want to have discussion. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and I often wonder, you know, you have to have something in common. Right. Yep. And. My question always is, and this may be very, I'm sorry if I offend anyone. Who cares? We, at we, the end we, of the day, what, what, what we are experiencing as brown, brown and black people, to, to have a partner or a wife, a, a spouse that is non-black, it, it makes me wonder what support are you getting? How can they relate? Do they understand they can't? You know, and it's, it's, there's a lot missing. 
Yep. But I, you know, Jennifer, I think it's interesting though, because especially when it comes to uh, successful black men, I think you can all agree that, you know, statistics are not what you're seeing is that you see a lot of men going that direction. So I think the first question needs to be why, why is that happening? And then, you know, you said that, are they getting the support? Are they getting, you know, what they need? What's interesting to me is I think a lot of times you're seeing them go that direction because as they ascend the ladder, that black or brown person does not know how to support them in that realm. They don't know how to behave and, and interact within that realm. So they need to then bring on the person who's been Uh-oh. groomed to and do so. I disagree. And I'm going to tell, tell you that we disagree. I'll let you go first. It comes from our black men that come from the single black mothers that struggle and the, and the, and the sons see the struggle and it becomes self-hate. And they don't want to be with a black woman that's going to remind them of the struggles that their mothers, their ancestors went through. So they play it safe and they say, you know what, I want to be with someone that doesn't look like me or my mother because I don't want to hurt or they hate themselves because of what they come from. I think that might be a part of it. The bigger part, though, I think is cultural. Um, The closer you are to white, the closer you are to success. And the closer you are to strength and the closer you are to getting on magazine covers and getting more interest. And the more that you ascend in terms of your financial wealth, the bigger the opportunities open for you in terms of the people who are around you. And when you get to that level, you're obviously going to have more people who don't look like you there than people who do. But I think that by and large, for black men specifically who are at that millionaire, billionaire status range, you're going to see that they see things differently. And in large part, it is they feel as though there is more gloss, more flaws and everything else if they have somebody on their arm that does not look like them. I think that that is a cultural issue that we have to deal with because white people clearly don't have it. But it's also- I mean, I think- very honest about Everything you're saying- Hold on, James, hold on. I want to get Tunde in because he wanted to make sure- Tunde has a unique perspective on this. Does my microphone work yet? It works. It works. Thank you. Quiet, but the only guy here married to a white chick. I might as well say something. You know- so, you know, I had to be, I had to, I had to drop the bomb on you guys, let you draw you guys into something so I could, so I could over my mouth. Now, I mean, look, there's a lot of complexities, obviously, with this conversation. Um, and I think that Amisha's point, I would, I would side with a little bit more than, than um, obviously Jen's point is not invalid, but I think you really got to be trying to get in someone's head to see if it's really about self-hate and kind of all these other factors that one can say, I mean. You know, you got to check if someone's raised by a single mother or not, you know, all that stuff. So I think, you know, barring the ability to read everyone's psychology, um, I think there is a cultural nuance there. I think that that cultural nuance probably existed a lot more, um, you know, generations past. And I think today's younger generation, I would say, you know, someone like OJ, I could see going that direction more under Amisha's point than let's say a 20 year old kid. Like my son is 21. He's dating a white girl in Gainesville, Florida. I don't think he's thinking that far ahead about all this stuff. You see what I'm saying? Um, and in the, in the end, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's funny, I've been asked this question directly. Why'd you marry a white girl? Why'd you? Look, I don't freaking know. I dated black women. I dated Hispanic women. I dated white women. This is the one that stuck. And it's like with a lot of things, because I think when, like everything else, when you're not involved with something, we all have, um, we all have, um, uh, ideas about what's going on on the other side of the fence, why people do things, so on and so forth. All I can say is marriage is marriage. I think most of us on this this panel here are married or have been married, and it's not easy. So I always look at whenever I see people questioning mixed race relationships, in the end I say, look, two people still got to go home together. They got to go to bed together. They got to look at each other. They got to fight. If they have children, they got to raise them together. So even if someone decided to get into something for some reason, if they're married to someone for years, Clearly, there's something there greater than just I married this person because they're race. Um, and so I, I, I don't know where to go with, with other comments. Well, well, I, I would say I, I would say with that, like, I think there's truth to everything that people have said. Like, you can. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but it's but very, I don't think people are. Yeah, but I don't think people are walking around waking up in the morning like, hey, I got to find this kind of person. So because so it'll fulfill this type of objective that I have. Correct. You know, a lot of times people end up with people that they're around a lot. You know, like the, the, whatever that is, you know, like people that are in corporate worlds, you know, end up around other people in corporate worlds. And so 
I don't, I think trying to, to, to put it all into one bucket and this is why this happens, or this is what it says about the person is generally wrong. People have a lot of different reasons to do a lot of different things. And in this case, you know, like, I don't know how you're going to surmise something about Kobe Bryant because of who Vanessa is or what Vanessa Bryant looks like. Like, I, I mean, there could be a million reasons why he's with her. Now, there may be likely some or likely others, but, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know you go get that. It may make people feel better to try to make it seem like it may or make it under make it understandable. But sometimes, you know, you can't just fill everything up and say, hey, yeah, this is just what this was. This is what that means all the time. Well, let me let me say this, too, because I think it, what the conversation we're having is a very American conversation. Uh, it's very unique to the United States, the way we look at race, because and I'll say it like, you know, when I was younger, I didn't look at a black person that wasn't from America, like African-American as black. If they were Afro-Latino, let's say that 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 term. Right. To me, they weren't black. That was when I was younger and, and, and had a culture like that. And my point is saying, so if, so if a black American, like you said about Vanessa Bryant, I mean, obviously she doesn't look that Afro-Latino, but let's suppose she was a Cuban person with, you know, African roots. In the United States, we just look at that different. In other countries, they don't look at it like this. So my point is, part of it goes back to Misha's point, part of this issue about black men and all this stuff and dealing with any kind of women is an American phenomenon of our culture. Number one, number number two is um, um, when you when you're talking about getting back off this topic specifically about you know the racial kind of who black men might be with, but going back to how people see black men, it goes back to comments I've made in other um, other uh, shows. Is at the end of the day we need to acknowledge, and it's painful for I think those of us on the panel here, but there's a lot of people in this country that don't look at us as human beings. They don't look at us as equal. So when, 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 you know, they, they, they look at it, you know, Oh, black men are bad fathers or all this is because they don't think we're human and that we can be good fathers period. So to, to, to Carlton's point, you know, we need to change the narrative and we need to be able to, to look at ourselves and say, we got to change this. And it's the same thing when we're talking about, like Amisha made the comment about black men sticking up for each other. I mean, you know, it's true. We need to teach just like, you know, I'll, I'll exclude Jen from this just because she's not a man on the panel here. But the three of or four of us are good friends and we stick up for each other. And I know like Rob, when your sister passed two weeks ago, yeah. we're all there. We're all there for you. We're texting Absolutely. and calling. My yep. point is, is that then we need to promote that to younger brothers, you know, the kids, out there, the teenagers. The um, I mean, one thing you saw after Kobe's passing, like black men with beef were publicly trying to squash it, you know, yep. like, and, and so, there's, there's all of that stuff at play. Um, you know, oftentimes we always have to remember, we try to, to make things, put things in narratives so they make sense to us so that our world around us, you know, makes, so it feels easier to understand. Um, but with all of these types of things, most interactions, you know, are pretty unique to individuals. There are trends, you know, racism and things like that, but you know, overall, with Kobe's particular in, in instance, with what he dealt with as far as his, the accusation, with what he dealt with with his wife, um, you can still take from all of that perseverance. You can take from all of that, you know, being there with your family. I'm sure, like, we, we, we it got said here, oh, he's happily married. We don't know how happy his marriage was, but we know that they stuck with it. You know, they were raising kids together and they were they were going about things in a way that from outward appearances looked like was about uplifting the family, uplifting the kids. And so you can take that stuff just from what you can see from the outside as a positive. You can take the perseverance, you know, like think, things are going to happen and you can't control it or sometimes you can't control it or either way. But how you react to those things really define the person that you are. So all of that stuff still can be said and, and taken from it as a positive from Kobe. And, you know, we, we wish he was still here. You know, but, you know, it, it, that's just not the circumstance that it is. And so, but I, it's good that you brought this as a, a topic to be discussed. Because as you can see, there's so many issues around it. Yeah, there is. That, we're, you know, arouse a lot of passion. And we're not going to get to all of them today, right? I and, mean, and I think we've talked about them as we get ready to wrap up. Tune One of the things I was going to say, because, you know, Jen alluded to something that I think is important, which is um, the comments that she's received from some black men about why they don't date within their race. And I would say that's a... It's a real shame that a man would say that, number one, because, again, it goes back to, I think, and Jen, it's a shame. I'm sorry that, that men would say something like that to you because, it, to me, it shows me more the, the ignorance of the man himself 
Um, because if you look at people being people, he probably, what they really are saying is, I don't want women that talk back to me, period. Because probably the white women that they're dating are letting them do and get away with things that I'm sure even maybe another white woman let him, wouldn't let him do it and he wouldn't date that white woman. So I think part of it is, is what we've talked about. And part of it is some guys are just assholes. And part of it is there's a narrative that is real out there. That's negative about black women, that black women have attitudes. Yeah, that you're black right. Women and that's a, that's black a shame women, too. Yeah. Hey, I've met plenty of white women with attitudes too. I mean, no, that's what I mean. Like, like people <laughs> I mean, are people and, and you're right. There, there's beautiful black women out there. I'm saying beautiful as human beings. And you're right. That, that just like black men get a bad rap as being violent and, and we're correct. And all dehumanized with those stereotypes. Black women, unfortunately, a lot of times have the negative stereotypes of being aggressive and, and pushy and blah, blah, blah. And that's not true. And so I think that, but I think a lot of that comes out of the, and this is a whole tangent that I know we're not going to go down because we don't even have time, but you know, you can go back to the psychology of slavery. You know, the, yeah, we don't, we don't have time. That's we're my gonna, point. We're going we're, we're 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 to bring it up again, but not. But, but that's my episode. point is that. We, we have to be conscious that those are still in the subconscious of our culture. There's no question. And, and that's, all that, that's all I'm saying is that it's so complex and it's such a unique American experience. That's why we don't see so much of it in the Caribbean and other areas. Well, I will say that I'm one of those women that they talk about. <laughs> yeah, but Jen, think about it. You're threatening to a lot of men, in a good, and I say in a good way, and that's why I love you. It's like you're a go-getter. You don't take shit. You're an entrepreneur. And that to a lot of men is intimidating. They want someone who's going to stay home and, and keep their mouth shut. But un un unfortunately, that's also not beholden to black men. A, a, a lot of white men would say the same thing about a woman. You're too aggressive. You're too this just because, you know, you're not going to let someone walk all over you. Well, so look, it's, it's, well, look, I'm, yeah. I'm looking for that's a party say, anyway. There you there, go. I'm not looking for everybody to take care of. There, there's men of assholes in every, in every group. <laughs> it is. It is. And no, there's a, and it, that's, that's, that's to my point. Same thing about women. And we just have to work to make sure that we are not accepting the stereotypes that are put out about us, period, because they're out there and they're easy to, to accept because, you know, they're, 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 so, they're so mainstream. And I think we need to reject those about, uh, about black women and black men. We focused a lot on black men in this episode because of the death of Kobe. But I'm talking about the whole black family in general. Of honestly, 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 Rob, just just talking about we're segmenting and calling uh, people black people. Honestly, I don't feel like that's a good segment anymore when it comes to white or black. I feel like there's like segments within that now in which we probably wouldn't even consider ourselves to be a part of. You know, what I mean, which we probably need to talk about at some point later. Like like it's too broad now to just say someone's black because I mean, you're black. I consider you black. You're black, bro. But when we go over certain other places, you're not the same. You know what I'm saying? You don't act the same. We don't, we're not in the same culture. So I think I think that'd be something to talk about in the future. You know, Overall, culture, though, culture and blackness. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah, I, but I mean, isn't different. that isn't that all races though? Like, yeah. Isn't that, uh, yes. That's just, no, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah that's what I said. Kinda, White, black. But but in closing, I want to say that I would like us to remember Kobe as a great human being. Uh, all of us do make mistakes, but all I'm going to remember him for is greatness. And that's somebody who I like to have on my child's wall growing up. And I'll never have to mention anything about all these other things that we talked about today. And that's how I'm going to leave it. Um, and I'd also like to say, carrying over to the next time we hop on a podcast, the real reason, if you think about also that Kobe Bryant is dead, which is something that really pisses me off on, on every single day, is because of traffic and, and transportation issues in this country. So I just want to bring that up. I never That's something that. we should talk about one day. Um, traffic killed one. Kobe. Yeah. And that is something that really needs to be addressed. And I think we could take an hour and talk about that one day. So. That's all I got. Well, yo, man, you get the civil engineer um, and you'll have them ready to map out, you know, the, the L.A. freeway system. I mean, nah, it, it's it's life, man. Bad things happen in life, man. And it, it's terrible. It's, you know, like it, it, I don't know. That, again, I don't know that you have to put it in that narrative to make it feel better or anything like that. Like, it's a terrible thing that happened. And, you know, I, I, I think you can leave it at that. But I also say this, you may be leaving something on the table if you don't want to mention what Kobe went through, you know, like I agree. his work, his hard work, his work ethic, you know, his dedication, all of that stuff is positive stuff. But there's also can be lessons to be learned from from the things that, you know, again, not that he was proven to do anything, but he was accused of things. And those are no, things I, I agree. Try to I agree. avoid yeah. those circumstances or, you know, come up with ways to, to, to mitigate that type of thing. Because our sons, our sons need to know that lesson. They're, they're, look, there's a reality that you 
we can say we rise above it and we're not going to, we're, we're not going to let race define us. We're not going to let race limit us. However, there are people that view you differently in this world and you have to know that. So I, I want to take all of Kobe's legacy for who he was. Talk about the human parts. Cause to make you human is to mean you're flawed to me. And it doesn't mean he's guilty of what others are saying, but you have to understand as a black man, in particular, uh, that, that we all have black men that we're raising, uh, people will view you differently and you have to, you have to know that you will not be able to get away with what others get away with. You will be, uh, accused of, of, of things that you didn't do. So if you go into groups of people that are doing things, be careful. It is a different, uh, calculation is a, it's a different equation. So understanding that we as black men are human, but people don't see us as human. is still important. I wish we didn't have to have that conversation, but we still have to have that conversation with our black men and with our black women, uh, because it's just, it's necessary. It's still the world as it, as, as it operates, we seek to change it. We seek to change the narrative. We seek to change the construct. But while we do that, we still have to be aware of the construct in order to change it. Uh, with that, I don't have anything else to say. I got one more. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, because Carlton, when he said something, made me realize. I think we also got to remember, you know, Kobe and other professional athletes. I mean, I think the guy was 24, 25 years old when this happened. And so we need to recognize that they're, you know, athletes, especially in America, the professional athletes disproportionately are black. They have the spotlight on them and attention because they make millions of dollars at an age when most of us have no one looking at us. So there's a lot of men, white, black, and every other race that do stupid shit at a young age, but no one is there to see it. And then when they're, they make their money and they get, they get notoriety in their community when they're in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, when they're more mature and, and, and those things are in their past. So I think we need to also recognize that that this is probably just going to continue to happen because you've got young men with a lot of money with a lot of attention and money and spotlight and young men attracts women and attracts other things. So this isn't going to be the last time that somebody, you know, falls into that, that, that unfortunate situation that Kobe had. Yep. Agreed. Well, unless there's anything further, uh, we thank you for listening. Always like to disrupt common narratives and constructs. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Romano. I'm Carlton Washington. Jennifer Nolan Jones. We'll see you next time.